podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's gonna be that! It's John Bond, it's Pearson, it is 1 0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Melter! What a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes it. The Rams rampant. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Steve Bloomer's Washing, a Derby County fan podcast where we're not angry, we're just disappointed. I'm Chris Parsons and joining me as ever is his dream job and he's determined to see it through. It's Tom Martin. Hi there. And he's massively committed to getting this podcast back where it belongs. It's Richard Kutcher. Hello, how are you doing? So, Money Talks and Gary Rowett walks. He's left Derby County after 14 months in charge. That's quite a long stretch by our standards, isn't it? But um, Tom, what was your gut reaction when you heard the news? Shock and surprise, really. Um, and then followed by total confusion. I can't really understand what's, what's happened over the last week. Yeah, just I've still come to terms with it, I think. Coach, how about you? Yeah, I think I think for any Derby County fan, it's hard to accept that Stoke City is a is a better, more attractive option. We'll get into why that might be, but I mean, it's just yeah, as Tom says, shock. Um, it, it seemed to happen so quickly as well. I, I didn't really think for a second when the Stoke job did come available that Raoul would, would be even be linked again, let alone actually go there. But it seems like he was he had his mind made up probably after the final whistle of the at Craven Cottage. It's interesting that he said in his interview with Stoke that it all happened so quickly as if that's a shock to him, even though it's him who put the wheels in motion and he clearly wants to get this done before uh, before he goes on holiday for the summer. That's a bit of a weird one, Kutch, isn't it? I mean, a bit of an acrimonious separation, as it were, between Rao and Derby. Um, what stage of the breakup would you say you're at? Are you still sort of angry about it or you know, are you like still burning pictures and chucking out his rubbish trainers or have you have you moved on to you know, like acceptance and sort of renewed hope that someone can, can come in and improve the team? No, not really. I've, I've, I'm kind of in denial about it, to be honest, uh, because it, it did happen It did happen so quickly and it just seems a bit like a bad dream. Not because he's an absolutely fantastic manager, but I think we all, we all liked him. We were all invested in him as our manager. And one thing that I was looking forward to saying at the end of our season, uh, in a end of season review before Rowett um, uh, left, was that... I'm looking forward to going into a second second full season with the same manager because I don't think that's happened for since Nigel Clough was in charge. We've had two back-to-back full seasons with the same manager. So really, it's just kind of going back to square one, really. And with the squad that we've got, there still, there still needs a lot of work to be done. And I'm just a bit concerned that whoever the new manager is that comes in will look at that squad and go, OK, actually, there's a couple of experienced people here I could do with them during transition. We kind of, it delays everything by another year at least. Well, we'll come on to the you know the sort of on the field matters in our uh, more in our end of season podcast next week. What is interesting, Tom, is that it seems to have been a bit of a difference of opinion on the fans or from the fans on this. Uh, you know, judging by social media, anyway, it seems that some are in the camp where they can understand why Rowett made this decision to to go to Stoke. You know, they don't have that much ill will towards him. They recognise that. Stoke are in a better financial position than us and you know they don't wish him well but they they don't have the same resentment as other groups of fans um yeah. I'd say we're probably in the second bracket where I am at least where 
you know, there is more resentment towards him because of mainly what he said on the record four months ago. You know, I mean, I tweeted it out yeah. myself. He said he wants to see this job through. He's massively committed, whether that's this season or in a few years' time. The question is, do you think Derby fans have a right to feel let down? Yeah, totally. He came out and um, he was linked to the Stoke job and he did everything McLaren didn't do when he was linked to the Newcastle job and he committed himself to Derby. He signed a new contract four months ago and four months later, Stoke come knocking again. They barely even knocked the door and he's out the door and signed another contract on more money. I think it's I think it's poor from Bauer. Um I'm disappointed with it and... I'm still in shock with it. I still haven't processed it. I haven't got to the angry burning stuff stage. I mean, we've still got a picture of Val up on the, the mantelpiece over there. and Not for long. It's, it's going to go in the bin <laughs> alongside the frame. Like, I still can't get the words out about it, of how frustrated I am, because just like Kutch, I totally agree. It would have been really nice. I felt that we were getting some stability. Uh, Rabbit's come in. He stabilised last season. A late playoff charge didn't quite come off. Very good for a, a large part of this season. Got to the playoffs, which was, to be honest, my expectation. Um, possibly slightly above the expectation. We lost to a decent Fulham, Fulham team. And there's some good young players in there who could potentially come through who were starting to be in the first team. With the experience, with those young players, with Rabbit in charge again, had high hopes for next season. But now... I'm a bit unsure. Coach, there was talk also from Rowett when he when he gave his interview with Stoke about the ambition that Stoke had. Clearly, that's not the word he actually meant. Again, mm, but money. what he did, yeah, that's that's <laughs> clearly you know it's clearly about the old the old bunts. But how much of him leaving was down to our current situation and the fact that there would have been a lot of surgery in the summer on the squad. There would have been a lot of uh, you know sort of cutting of our cloth and uh, and and being a lot more financially prudent in the in the next season to come how much of a factor was that do you think yeah I, yeah I, it's interesting that one because or before i mention go on to that i think it's important to say obviously there's definitely a, a big real rebuilding job to do at stoke but as you say they've got the money to do it i feel like there's a kind of a bit of a catch-22 situation here because part of me wants there to have been a big problem behind the scenes a big fallout which might actually add some logic to this but as Derby County fans, I don't think we do want that to have been the case because we've already had kind of a real period of uncertainty under Mel Morris. He has put money in. He's obviously now been a bit more prudent, which I think is fair enough. But you know, have we got a chairman here who is people find impossible to work with? I don't know. I think recent evidence suggests possible, uh, possibly. Maybe it's, an, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Tom? Because yeah. on the one hand, he has been poached by, uh, by a club with more money. But on the other hand, it's another managerial change all the other ones happen for different reasons, but I mean, he can only really speculate. But do you think it's, it's part of a wider culture problem at the club? I mean, is there other deeper issues at hand here? I, I don't want to speculate too much, but it it would seem that maybe there there are certain problems and maybe a lack of trust between management and ownership. Um, and I think that's come out with the last few managers we've had. There's been sort of under under the surface like ructions behind them and nothing's come out just yet and so it wouldn't surprise me if there there was it also wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't and I do think it's more to do with Rower taking oh hello Stoke City decent sized club uh, good attendances lots of money parachute payments opportunity here to to bounce back up quicker than what he would with Derby I think he's taking a shortcut and I hope he falls on, falls on his ass. I mean there's no guarantees Kutch that Stoke can bounce back I mean we there's no point in a way talking about how Stoke are going to do because it's happened now, he's gone. But he talked about bouncing back quickly. Um, there's a lot of players there who will not fancy the championship one bit, will they? Uh, I'd be amazed if sort of the likes of Butland and uh, like Shakiri, 
and Crouch. Uh, Afalai, is he still there? I don't actually know. But I mean, what I'm saying is there's a number of sort of big-time Charlies in that Stoke team who didn't fancy it towards the end of the season. And he's got, I think he's got a bigger job on than he realises, hasn't he? There is no guarantee that uh, Gary Rout will get Stoke up because, you know, this season wasn't wholly convincing with Derby. I mean, we got there in the end, but it was just about us getting there. Um, they have employed a manager with two and a half, three years' experience in this division. But I think the jury's still out on whether he can get teams consistently competing in the top six and they'll be targeting automatic promotions. Uh, playoffs won't be good enough for Stoker when they fought next season. And he has got a big rebuilding job to do there. The bottom line is, is that I still have a lot of ill feeling myself about the whole thing. It's uh, It really does sort of great on me, to be honest, that we're in this situation. Never thought I'd have to record this podcast, to be honest, so soon anyway, no. <laughs> but here we are. And it is because of what he said in January. You, know, you keep going back to it, but the quotes are there in black and white, what he said about how committed he was. Mm. And it's not just that, Tom, but it's also the fact that he knew what our circumstances are when he took the job in the first place. Yeah. And he would have known that we would have had to have cut back in the close season in January when he turned, turned Stoke down the first time. I mean, frankly, if he if he was so interested in going, why didn't he just go in January? Yeah, and I'd have accepted that because he'd have had a chance to keep a team who are a proven Premier League side at the time um, in the Premier League. It's not as and if Stoke went down by an absolute mile. It's not no. as if they, they were far from gone yeah. by, in, in January, weren't they? They only went down with, what, two or three games to go? Lam- Lambert won two out of 15. So if Rowett went in and won six out of 15, they'd have stayed up. Um, it's as simple as that. It's not an impossible job. So I could have understood it. I'd have been frustrated and a bit disappointed. But um, the way it's the way it's panned out, I'm I'm getting more furious as we actually talk about it and I start to, to really think about it. Coach, um, I, Coach, I just can't really get my head around the fact that he wasn't interested at all in January and he's bitten their hand off four months later. When nothing has, has that much really changed apart from us falling out of promotion contention? Are we being, are we being a bit naive here? Could it, could it have been that he was actually very much interested in January? Mel Morris said, absolutely no. Gary Rout saying, OK, give me another contract and we'll discuss it again in the summer. And that's why it actually all happened quite quickly uh, a couple of days ago. But I'd say to that, why? If, if that's going to be the case, fine. But why come out and say, I've got a job at Derby, I want to carry this project through? I don't understand the link between what you say there and then those quotes. It doesn't make sense. It, of course, it, of course, it does. We all we all know football is a fickle game. We all know that. We all want to believe it isn't. We all want to believe that our manager and our club is different, but it's not. Football is fickle, and yeah, he might some part of him might have loved the idea of taking Derby County to the Premier League, and I'm sure that he still planned to do that in uh, end of January. But I don't think we can try and hold people any anyone in football to these kind of commitments and grand gestures that they make when they sign new contracts. I just, I just think it's unrealistic. It's, it's, it's very sad, but it's a fickle game and we just need to accept it. Tom, we spent a lot of time talking about his style of play. It seems to have dominated the theme of almost every podcast this season because it has been such a change and shift, hasn't it, from previous managers and their regime, from the passing football of Clement to the sort of buccaneering, attacking football of McLaren to Rowett's, uh, you know, conceding possession, sitting tight compact defensive shape and hitting teams on the break Mm. did you like his style of football I liked winning but I wouldn't say that I necessarily enjoyed some of the games I remember picking up points at QPR and Brentford and not enjoying the game I remember ranting to you at half time in the Brentford game saying that it's a waste of time being here and I don't know why I spent my money Um, and we were winning 1-0 at that time so the short answer and the simple answer to that is no but at the same time there were times when I did really enjoy it we were brilliant on the counter-attack uh, at times, Birmingham City, for example, away. Uh, the Fulham 
Uh, playoff game at home, even Fulham away from home, I thought was a brilliant performance uh, back in what November or December time. So there were elements, yes, I I, I understood the, the functional and I appreciated the defensive quality and the, the thing that we did. I liked the counter-attack and stuff. It's not champagne, ticky-tacker football, but then again, that doesn't always win you games. It doesn't get you promoted. I thought we were on the right track with Rauer and I thought he was building the right kind of style of play to be solid at the back and to be more expressive as we we're going um, going through into next season. So, Kutch, it was... The style of play was great when it was good, wasn't it? When it was going well. But when it doesn't go well in those games against Brentford, QPR, the second leg of the playoffs against Fulham, when a lot of people said we were too negative and it's difficult to disagree. And when it's when it doesn't work, he has a lot of questions to answer about that style, doesn't he? Yeah, but that's why I think he'll fit in very well at Stoke City. Yeah, I can see that, bringing back the sort of hard-working, functional sort of play that they used to have and what made them successful. Is it, bit, is it bitchy to say that Stoke aren't really used to, play, to seeing good football, so you should fit right in? No, not I, I, I say that it half is bitchy. tongue in cheek. <laughs> I, 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 say it, I say it half tongue in cheek, and I think Tom's right. When we're winning, I don't, I don't care. None of us, no football fan should really care. Unless you're Barcelona fans and you're spoiled, then I don't think we can, as long as we're winning, I, I have no problems with whatever style of play we, we have. Like, Billy Davis's style of play was not fun to watch, but we didn't care because we, we got promoted. I'm completely the same. I mean, I can't say I massively enjoyed those games, you know, away at away at Brentford and QPR, but, you know, they, they, they got us valuable points away at Cardiff and, you know, sort of at home to Villa and in those great performances from last season. But I think the play, the playoff second leg, to go back to it, as I said, we'll touch on the on the, on the field matters more in, in the next episode. But I think that was a bit of a breaking point for some, not just because we lost, of course, but the fact that he benched Vidra the division's top scorer in the second leg of a playoff game where we had where, where we had a one 0 lead, and he never gave Casey Palmer enough playing time in general. I think that Fulham game was sort of the straw to break the camel's back for a lot of the goodwill that Rout had generated, wasn't it? I think um, I think a lot of people aren't too bothered about Rout going, and precisely for that reason, I'm more bothered for him going not because I enjoyed who how he sort of treated Vidra or, or Casey Palmer. And for the record, I did actually agree with him uh, starting Vidra on the bench in the second leg. And I did say that, I think, in the playoff preview game. But I think a lot of people aren't really too fussed. But it's obviously the concern about what comes in next. And the thing that I'm worried about is the stability we've lost. Um, again, in that transition, we need to reboot the team once more. Um, just chuck all of them out. Sell them all. Start again. <laughs> we might have to. <laughs> Coach, it's... Uh... It's ended on a bit of a sour note, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, Gary Rout's reign at Derby. Uh, 60 games, won 26, drew 18 and lost 16. How do you think Gary Rout's reign will be remembered as Derby County manager? Well, I think, I think, it'll, be, I think it'll be remembered for what's happened in the last 48 hours, actually. Uh, and probably there isn't a lot else to remember him for. I think when, we, when I look back on this season, what, what am I going to remember? I'm going to remember us throwing it away again in February, March, April. That's what I'm going to remember about this season. I'm not going to remember the fact that we were second in December. It, it, for me, it's all about failing in the second half of the season again. And whoever comes in next, which we'll talk about in a second, is going to have to address that problem. We'll leave it there for now. Um, but before we move on to the second half of the podcast, where we're going to be looking at the potential replacements for Gary Rowett, some mental names being banded around, all sorts happening on social media and betting sites in the past couple of days. In line with that, we've, we've produced more content on the Steve Bloomers Washing website. 
So head over to cbloomerswashing.com where uh, Rams fan Ryan Burton has done a little rundown of the potential six replacements who could move Derby County forward, their credentials, what fans are saying about them and how they might work. So head over to the website on Thursday morning where that piece should be live and there's lots of other stuff to enjoy there as well. You can also find us on social media. It's um, stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com on the email on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter as well, at Steve Bloomerpod. And we'll speak to you after this. Now again, there's Villains, Asanovic, Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. So the Rams are making their seventh new managerial appointment in just under four and a half years. Coach, we seem to we seem to have tried every sort of manager in the past five years or so. Um, what sort of appointment do we go for next, would you say? I don't know, it's a tough one because part of me is very concerned about next season. Um, and I feel like we could end up you know, relegation scrap even. Uh, and that sounds bizarre. So part of me thinks it's... I don't want to take too big a risk. Obviously, there's some very inexperienced names being mentioned in relation to it. I don't want to... I don't think I want to go down that route because uh, it is quite a big squad of big egos uh, and, and lots of experience. Um, however, I don't want to just have kind of... A, I don't want to be involved too much in the managerial merry-go-round and have the same old, same old. So I don't, I don't see an obvious... There's not one candidate that I'm, I'm really excited about in the same way that I was kind of very, very keen for, for Gary Rout to get the job uh, a year ago. I, mean, if, I think for me, it, it, it's, it's just absolutely crucial that, that Mel takes his time here. Um, I mean, we've got the whole pre-season in front of us. So I guess it's happened at a, quite a good time in that sense. But I think this appointment could define the direction of the club for the next sort of several seasons, couldn't it? If we get it right or wrong. Um, and I think I feel, I just feel like I'd rather miss out on a decent pre-season and have like a transitional season by, by waiting and appointing the right person to get this wrong and risk, you know, like plummeting down the table. And as you say, getting stuck in a relegation battle. It depends. It depends what uh, Mel's, Mel's targets are for next year. You know, if he, if he is, does continue to cut the cloth uh, and, he, and, uh, and we're going to struggle to challenge, then he, sh- he shouldn't make an appointment uh, before a transitional season where he then sacks them because they're 15th at Christmas. You know, is he going to have the patience? This is, this is the most important thing. Is Mel going to have the patience with the next person? If he is going to have the patience with the next person, then maybe you can take a bigger risk and kind of play a longer-term view. But we haven't seen Mel Morris really have a long-term view. Maybe he was going to do it with Gary Rowett, and that's, that's all kind of... Uh, gone down the toilet I don't know it's a really tough one it depends what Mel wants apparently we're interviewing already which seems I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing it's extremely quick after it's happened I mean to go back to this you know breakup analogy reviews all I'm all I'm thinking is that I just hope that you know that we don't rush into like sort of a rebound appointment if you know what I mean I mean after yeah. being sort of dumped by by Rauer I've just got visions of you know Mel making like a rebound decision and accidentally waking up in bed of Igor Stimak or something do you know what I mean I, I think that would be terrible um, waking up with a former player <laughs> to, so to speak <laughs> would be a nightmare for the for what the vision <laughs> yeah terrible but um, I think what I think you're right and I agree with Kutch I think it's uh, it needs to be taken time I think someone like a Stimac or an Asanovic who both had coaching roles before would be a bad idea I think Wassel would be an awful idea uh, I don't want to go back to that 
uh, debacle from a couple of years ago. Um, I think he has to take his time. And what I would like the most is someone who knows how to use the transfer market and someone who can buy a player who actually improves the team. When was the last time we brought a player into the club who, from day one, improved and made the team better? Okay, arguably, okay, Curtis Davis this year, but Huddleston has it. I'm not. I'm not convinced by Huddleston, but that's obviously a different point. I think he's had a good season, but he's not been outstanding. And um, I'm yet to be really excited by a, a wonderful player that we brought through. Davis is a great, great player, and he will go down as a stalwart at Derby um, when he does finally retire. And I hope he stays for uh, for the rest of his career. But I don't remember being really excited by a player who's come in. Like there's been no Chris Martin who we signed on loan, and we're like, oh, really? Did we sign him? Then we signed him on a free, and how good was he? He was brilliant. I mean, Lawrence yeah. has flattered to deceive to an extent. He scored, what, like six this season, set up seven. Mm. But for a player, he was our marquee signing yeah. last summer. And a lot of fans have said they expected a bit more. And I see Definitely. what you mean, and that he hasn't really unearthed a young gem in ways that maybe other managers have. But anyway, we'll see. So anyway, we put this question out to you guys on Twitter. We simply asked, who should Derby get in? And why? Uh, at Rams polls told us uh, Alex Neal, the current Preston boss, um, positive attacking football, done wonders with Norwich and Preston on low budgets. Uh, Daniel Brooks also said Alex Neal, the only real choice, unless as a foreign manager we know nothing about. Most of the other candidates are yesterday's men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Noodle tweeted us to say Frank Lampard, who will come on to, described him as untarnished. He could use his connections to utilise the loan market on our meagre budget. Uh, Craig Nash said, it's a pipe dream, but Allardyce, and I wouldn't say no to Paul Cook, the current Wigan Athletic Manager, got them promoted from League One on 98 points last season. Uh, Gareth tweeted us to say, Mel should take his time, look abroad perhaps. It's worked for other clubs in the Championship, and Mel could make us the surprise package for next year. Uh, John Loveridge said uh, Paul Hurst has done a good job at Shrewsbury and I'll wrap it up with Ben Terry uh, just gave us one word Kutch just said Wenger <laughs> <laughs> oh no one's mentioned David Moyes as well oh god god help us I agree with um, who was it that said that most of them are yesterday's men was it Daniel Brooks so I agree with that I think Neil looks like a good shout but I would go back to it why would he join Derby like they're in a similar position to Preston Preston of good solid championship team they've got a big stadium uh, history they don't obviously get as many fans as, but that doesn't matter like they have signed players from the lower leagues and brought them through um, and they're a good hard working side I don't see why Neil would want to join Derby Coach I'm going to chuck some names at you these are the current bookies favourites according to can I say can I say yes or no to each one um, yeah go on then the top favourite at the moment is Frank Lampard uh-uh. <laughs> Dean, uh, Dean Smith 11 to 8 who? Uh, Mar- the, the Brentford manager. We'll come back to him. Mar- I, I do know. I do know who. I do know. Who. Martin O'Neill, eight to one. Definitely not. Mick McCarthy, nine to one. Bastard. Carlos Carvajal, twenty to one. Uh. Darren Wassell, twenty to one. Uh. Get out. Paul Simpson, twenty to one, and Alex Neil, twenty-five to one. Alex Neil was much shorter than that, but he's um, he seems to have drifted away from the running in the past I couple of days. I think some of I think some of those uh, some of those tweets actually have convinced me of uh, Alex Neal. I feel like that might not be a bad shout. As he said, if he is playing, I haven't watched a lot of Preston, but if, if they are playing good football and he does know the division, and you know he might be the kind of manager that will trade in the lower lower down the football league, which is probably what we need to do. He got he got Norwich up 
he got Norwich up at the first attempt, didn't he, when they came down? Um, yeah. Then I believe he lost his job at Norwich when they came straight back down again, I think. Yeah, I may have got right. that wrong. Um, then has done a relatively decent job at Preston. They were finished seventh yeah. last season, didn't they? So only one place behind Derby. Coach, one name that hasn't really been talked about there is Dean Smith, the Brentford manager. Been there for a couple of years. Uh, Brentford were in with an outside shout. Tom even tipped them as a dark horse for the top six. But the problem with him is that he's contracted to Brentford until the end of the 1920 uh, 2019-2020 season, having just signed a new contract in February. So, ironically, if we went for him, we'd have to uh, pay his compensation, just like Stoker paid Rowett's. Um, um, yeah, they, his, his compensation won't, won't be the same as what, we're, what we got for Rowett, would it? Because he won't be on as much as what Rowett was on. We got £2 million for Rowett, supposedly, so I feel like we'd, we'd make a profit on that trade, um, so, to, so to speak. The thing about Brentford, though, is it is quite a well-run club. Does, does, would he want to come into a club which has you know, arguably not been well-run or has arguably had disruption? You know, I mean, maybe it's not for us to say whether he wants to do that or not. He seems like a, a decent option, but it is quite a different job, the Brentford job, to the Derby job at the moment. I think that I agree, Kutch, in terms of Brentford being a well-run club. Look at a couple of their former managers, Uwe Rosler. Is he managing anywhere now? No, and he went upwards. Uh, Warburton, who failed arguably at, at Rangers and at Forest. What do you what, what do you say when they leave Brentford? Are they actually that good a manager or is it the backroom staff and the quality of the uh, transfer uh, sort of team that come in there? Is that what helps them? So he is the, uh, alongside Lampard, he is the favourite at the moment. The thing with this is, is that we no, none of us have anything to go on, really. Uh, no manager has ruled themselves in or out from what I can tell or what I've read. There hasn't really been much coming out in the media or that sort of thing. So it's all just like a sort of whirlwind of social media and bookies taking a punt, really, isn't it? But with Dean Smith, I had a little look at a, uh, a Brentford forum, thanks to uh, so it's Griffin Park Grapevine. I had a little sneaky little peek at just to see what they make of all this speculation. You know, a, a wide variety of comments there, as you'd expect. Some people saying they wouldn't stand in his way if he went. Some people saying... They don't really care if he goes. Uh, one commenter on there saying, I predict that if and when he does leave Brentford, as long as Dean Smith chooses the right club for his talents, he's got every chance of being a big success. Uh, another Brentford fan on there said, Smith isn't going anywhere. If he wasn't interested in a West Brom job, why would he be interested in Derby? They've got similar problems, but West Brom have parachute money. Derby don't. And it's just a final one from that forum. Uh, another commenter said, Smith has had very... Sorry, Smith has had three very sizable winless runs at Brentford and several at Warsaw, but both clubs were right to be patient and not get itchy trigger fingers. As That's one of Mel Morris. Uh, I don't think he'd be afforded such a run at Derby, and he knows that. So it seems from those comments, Kutch, that a lot of Brentford fans think that Dean Smith wouldn't really be a good fit for us. Yeah, but we didn't think Rowett would leave Derby, did we? Uh, he might not be. He might not be a good fit for us. It's hard to it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to read too much into Mel Morris's previous appointments either. There's no real pattern, is there? With you know, Clement Pearson, McLaren twice, Rowett, Wassell. I mean, there's no real pattern there uh, of what Morris is actually looking for, which maybe is part of the problem. It doesn't really seem keen to go abroad, Tommy. I mean, a couple of names there that um, uh, Hannes Wolf was mentioned a few times in social media. The Dortmund youth coach who's currently Stuttgart manager and is very, high, very highly thought of, rated by Klopp. Um, is it worth taking a, prun- taking, a, taking a punt and going for a foreign manager? 
it might be something different and I wouldn't be adverse to it. It'd just be interesting to see how they obviously fit in. And I think you can bring in these managers um, from foreign climbs and sometimes they succeed and sometimes they kind of don't. Look at Carver Howe. He was excellent in the first year for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, not so good in the second and third year, then got sacked. Then he started very brightly at Swansea and then has not not sort of stayed there because they got relegated. Like, I don't think there's a, there's a bad thing going for a foreign manager and I don't think you need necessarily to have someone with championship experience say like a, a, a Alex Neal or Mick McCarthy I just want whatever is the the right person I don't know what that is at the moment and that's the difficult thing I think Morris has to take his time I'm happy with Derby not having a manager for a good few weeks uh, possibly even until the uh, players come back for pre-season at the end of June July time Speaking of having no championship experience uh, a lot of chat on social media today has been about one Frank Lampard, the arguably the greatest goal-scoring midfielder in Premier League history, um, a great career for England as well, Chelsea's all-time leading goalscorer. A lot of movement from him. He was around 40-1, to 1, I think, but is now the joint favourite, as we said, with one bookmaker, mainly because, Kutch, he is said to have been interviewed for the Ipswich job recently, but uh, it didn't work out for whatever reason. I think their owner Marcus Evans has sort of a like a five point plan or, or very strict criteria for their next manager having um you know McCarthy having left at the end of last season under a bit of a cloud. Um but it's interesting what Lampard has said about his potential, you know, next move in his career. Tom and I were talking about this before. He's done his badges, well he's done his UEFA one of his UEFA coaching licenses, his A license, and is working on his pro license this summer, apparently, and he told Talksport in March he said he's quote I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty at a championship or lower league club and when he was asked about you know what that might mean what club might fit his needs he said I can't really answer anything about where it starts because I don't know where that is yet but I'm open to offers I'll take each each situation on its merits as it comes coach what it would be it certainly be a curveball appointment wouldn't it someone without any managerial experience but a really big name yeah, again, it, it would almost follow the pattern for Mel Morris of not following the pattern. So I think it could it could get some people excited. I think he's from that generation of of uh, of you know, the golden generation of England footballers. I think he was one of the ones that kind of struck you as talking more sense than others. He's quite down to earth. He seems like an intelligent guy. Obviously, he's, he's a children's book author, not just a great football player. So. He's got a bit about him, and he comes from a you know uh, an interesting line of uh, football family. I think it might be interesting, but he's got zero. I don't know how how problematic having zero managerial and zero coaching experience is. You know, I know he's d- doing his badges, but he's not like he's done his apprenticeship as uh, the head of the academy at Liverpool, like Lamp- like Gerard was done. Oh, sorry, uh, I think under eighteen's coach, I think he was. You know, Lampard's not done any of that, has he? I don't know that he has. He that was his- from what I, from what I gather, Lampard helped. Uh, Jody Morris out a lot in the Chelsea Academy and Jody Morris is said to have done quite a good job so yeah, maybe it'd be Lampard, Lampard with a coach like Jody Morris or something I don't know or like do we change the structure and do we go director of football and actually hand over some of the transfer negotiations to like a, a larger transfer team and have Lampard just focusing on the sort of motivation um, there and have a bigger coaching staff what is certain coach is that you know say let's fast forward a bit and say Lampard did happen there's no way he'd stay for long, is there? Say it turns out that Lampard is a good manager, he has a good season and gets us in the playoffs, he'd, he'd just leave straight away again as well, wouldn't he? He he, he would clearly just use us as a stepping stone, or am I just being too... Uh, have I just been hurt before? 
No, I think that's absolutely fair. I think, of course, that's true. Yeah, and it doesn't even... I think the fact he's a big name, of course, makes that more likely to happen. You're, you're dead right about that. But it's already happened this season with Gary Rowett. <laughs> so you haven't got to a big, big name for that to happen. I just find it difficult to picture Lampard in Derby. Like, where would he... Where would he even live? I just imagine him like, doing a bit of a partridge and like living in like a like a hotel near Pride Park with like a no, a, tw- a twelve, no, he's, in, 12 he's inch a... plate or something. The Alexander I think, Hotel. I think, I think you're doing him a disservice there. I think, as I said, I think he's a, he's actually quite an intelligent guy. He's lived in New York. Derby's very similar to New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said that without a joke as well, didn't you? <laughs> well, I've lived in, I've lived in both towns. Because so. you're, you're on um, the phone, I can't see your face. I can't I can't read you to tell if you're being serious or not. But I'm going to pretend <laughs> that you are being serious. He'll live in Duffield, it'd be fine. He'll have a great time. Sure. Well, yeah, that's that's the current situation. It's difficult to say where Derby County are going to go from here. What is certain is that this podcast will probably be out of date in a few days when uh, when Derby do make some sort of decision. But anyway, we're going to leave it there for now. We're going to be returning in about a week with a better late than never season review podcast where we're going to sort of look at our player of the season, what went right, what went wrong and uh, look forward to the 18-19 campaign. But in the meantime, as I said, try uh, try to find us on social. We're on Instagram, Steve Bloomer's Washing. Search for us on Facebook as well and Twitter, at Steve Bloomer Pod. And the email is stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com. Thought we wouldn't do Who Ram I for this episode because Kutch is on the phone, so there's like a sort of time lag issue. That could be your excuse anyway, Kutch, but we're going to leave it there for, for this week. You must be pretty happy with that. Um, well, I just wish we'd, we'd, you know, we'd bear that in mind for the rest of the season that I was on the phone. <laughs> Could have used that since uh, for the previous 24 episodes. But anyway, Tom, anything you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, did you plug the website for Thursday? I did. Yeah, 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 did that in the first half. Yep. So yeah, Steve Bloom was watching. Give that a read and let us know what you think. Richard, cheers for uh, joining us from the other side of the uh, of the pond. Mm-hmm. And Tom, thanks to you. Speak to you again soon. Cheers.